0: Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. We are part of nature. You are part of nature. I am part of nature. In nature... There are no rewards and no punishments, simply consequences. The actions we take bring about consequences. We must live with the consequences, whether they be comfortable or uncomfortable, they are of our own making. And we're talking about trying to get along with other people. We're talking about relationships. One to another, whether this be a relationship with your wife or husband, or whether this be a relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, or whether this be a relationship with your neighbors or friends or whatever it happens to be. Principles are simply principles, and it really doesn't make any difference. Principles are laws of nature is what they are. They are neither right nor wrong, they just are. And if you break the principles, there are going to be consequences as a result of them. And if you live with the principles, there are going to be consequences as, as a, a result, result of, of that. Yeah. It's just that simple. Nothing complicated about it. Nothing mysterious about it. Nothing goofy about it. Nothing ethereal about it. It's just simple. There are immutable laws of nature. And if you live with the laws of nature, you're going to be comfortable. And if you don't, you're not. And it's your choice. Isn't that terrible? God, <laughs> I wish it wasn't that way. <laughs> I really wish it wasn't.
1: Uh, it would be nice if it was somebody else's fault, wouldn't yeah. it? I.
0: Uh, <laughs> it would
1: really be nice. Well, it
0: usually is your fault.
1: Well, yes, of course.
0: <laughs> but uh, seems that way to me. Yeah. But uh, you know, I was, uh, I was, I was pleased. And I'm gonna use the word pleasantly amused this morning and uh and Karen talking about the relationship that she had with John and they're just being a dear couple. Dear old couple. Dear old Our couple, old couple yes. And uh I'll be They are a dear old couple. They are yes, my god. But you know, I'll be sixty years old this year and I understand exactly what she's mm. talking about. And you know, there are times when I really feel like you know, well, it used to be that you know, Peggy would make some remark, and what I'd want to do is to hit her. I never did, but I wanted to. You know. but I didn't do that. i just make some cutting remark back at her. And now I think about it, and I say, you know, it just isn't worth it. Who cares? I don't care. And she does the same thing. And so as a consequence, we end up getting along a hell of a lot better than we used to. Yes. When we used to have to disagree on many things. We rarely disagree anymore, and it's really so pleasant, it's just so pleasant.
1: Every once in a while, he has to stir the pot, though, you know? It's just like, you know, well, I mean, let me tell the story about the towel. This is great, because, listen, you know... Our thinking
0: is really different.
1: Yeah, yeah, most of our thinking, I mean, my thinking is different than his thinking. Got it? I mean, we're both alcoholics and we think similarly in that direction, but he's really kind of weller than I am in many respects, because in many ways he's stayed. That's better than stodgy or stuffy. But so, <laughs>
0: You Not he's older I, want, anyway. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. You notice how she's taking over the sports. Yes,
1: The other day, we were, I am, most of you who know me, and I do know a lot of you, and thank you for inviting us. We just, we love to do this. Well, no, we don't like to do it, really, but we do it. I mean, we don't like to do it because it makes us look like an ancient Ken and Barbie. <laughs> An ancient Ken and Barbie. I mean, we are just, we're just regular human beings and we're not experts on this. This is just something we've kind of fallen into and people have asked us to do it and they keep asking us to do it because evidently it's useful. So that's why we do it. But the other day we're, I'm not good in the morning. And I'm in the bathroom getting, he's already had a shower. Now everybody who knows us knows that he uses men and bath powder. This is a big deal. I buy him tons of men and bath powder at Christmas. It's not hard. It's hard to find it. So I buy lots of it when I buy it. And he spreads it all over the bathroom, which is one of my used-to-be anonymous things that I did until I told it in front of an audience. But I used to clean up his men and bath powder all the time as one of my good deeds for him every day. But he's all smelling good, and he's got his underwear on. And I come out of the shower, and I'm still not awake. I mean, I'm never awake in the morning. And he just looks at me with this, just this look that he has, that he gives, just like the cat that just got through licking up all the cream, you know, just this look, (laughs) and he takes his towel, (laughs) and he, because he's thinking sexually, see, I know this. (laughs) this, because I know him. And he takes his towel, and he throws it over my head. And he says, well, there, now we've covered up the ugly part. <laughs> Or what he wanted, you know. Whichever the case may be. Whichever the case may be. But uh, there's a hole back here, Mary. I just almost stepped in it. Anyway, that's. But one of the things that that I, if if I don't, if we don't get anything else across. We're going to do, we're an alternate Just tradition, try. so he's sitting down. <laughs> and also because I've taken over the mic. But one of the things that really is, that these things really bring out is that there's lots of things that have got us. We'll be married 25 years this August, which is nothing compared to but it, it's, it's a world's record for him.
2: <laughs> well, and in fact, it's a world's
1: record for me since I've only ever been married once. But he's been married twice, very briefly. First time, I I might add. No, he was drinking. At the time. And chose poorly. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Seemed
0: like it was hard
1: at the time. But, um, where was I? Oh, a sense of humor. I mean, if anything has gotten... We have been through good times and bad times, tragic times and hilarious times, sad and depressing times, tense times, all of these different things that go along with being married to anyone. And one of the things that has saved us is the ability that we have to laugh, to, to be able to laugh with each other and have you ever been in an argument with your partner or your boss or whoever it is that you're especially especially your partner where you look at them and you just you knew you were arguing just for the argument's sake that you wish you could just stop you know and say you know this is This is—we're just arguing to be arguing. There's no principle here, and what we have done is we will get into those and very gradually, over my face comes this smile. You know, I just start (laughs) smiling, and it's just—and we break out laughing because what could have been serious years ago has become just a matter of routine. And there's there's certain arguments that are like old standbys, like um, his driving. Not, not his actual driving habits Because mine are worse than his No one will go with me anywhere Because I drive too slowly Yes I mean, you know they, I just drive too slowly So they don't want to go anywhere with me Because they're always driving for me Go for it, go for it You know, get up above 53 or whatever But his direction You ever go places with people You get out the map You turn left, you turn east, you turn north. No, you don't. Then we get lost. He's furious. I'm furious. It's, you know, it's just one of those standard arguments. The thermostat. Are these important things or what? I mean, it is not the thermostat, right? But it is who somebody changed the thermostat. Now, I don't know how it is in your house, but nobody, nobody changes the thermostat. Nobody. He didn't change it. I didn't change it. The dog is too short. I mean, he can't. They can't reach the thermos. That somebody changes it, but nobody changes it. So we argue over that. Just little, little stuff, you know. Kind of takes the heat off. It it lets loose the pressure, and it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's, it's just doesn't mean anything. What we have done, and we're going to go through these in about an, I don't know, sometime this afternoon. Not too long. We're going to talk about each of the traditions briefly, and the principles are, are something that are involved in them that. Because these, these traditions are how we get along with each other. It's how we stay together. It's how we stay together. So people, that's what we're going to do. And some people don't know what this is, and they get disappointed because they expect to hear of a tradition in the sense of a group. This is not <coughs> that thing. This is about how we get along with each other, which I think translates into how we get along in the group. Uh, a lot of it has to do with not taking yourself so seriously and so forth and so on. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. What this brings to my mind in terms of my relationship with Dick is, I am ever so quick to be able to criticize. I am so free with my criticism. And I can spot stuff right off. I mean, it's like I know truth. You know, I I have a son and a husband who are exactly alike. They are... Couch potatoes.
2: <laughs>
1: not not literally. Well, literally sometimes. Especially when I am in a mood to clean. Now, do you understand that uh, normally, other times, they're not. But when I'm in a mood to clean, and in one of my whirling white tornado dervishes, they are couch potatoes. And I know truth. And I've even been known to kick them as I go past in my way you know in my way uh, to clean and, and but I'm being principled so I'm not telling them what to do but I'm letting them know with my body language that they should be up and helping the queen of all queens clean. You know, and this is that is not unifying. Okay? That's not unifying. That's putting me and them in two different corners. It, Another thing is I'm always very... I can spot what they're doing wrong right away. I can spot it. I can feel it in my bones. And I, I'm i very free with that. I'm very free to be able to tell them what to do because I know the right way to do it. <laughs> I am not as free with my compliments. And I have to look sometimes for the good. I have now, through the years, I have sort of... Trained myself to look for the good and to tell them, tell Dick, that's a good job. Dick does, he is, for a long time in our marriage, I couldn't find anything good about him. I mean, not that jumped right out,
2: but I could. But, but that's not his fault, that's me.
1: I mean, you know, it's because I have this rotten outlook, you know, this narrow outlook on life. He was always this, and he was always very good, but I couldn't see. Yeah, my mind wasn't focused that way. So I would have, so I came up with the idea that he was a good visitor, 'cause he is. He is a great visitor. Now everybody goes, he, 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 what's so good about being a visitor? But have you ever suffered a fool graciously? Mary and I were talking about that last night. Clancy suffers people sometimes that I would just, well, my office is opposite his. And he sometimes his pigeons come by and they talk with him. And within five minutes, I want to run in there and say, "Get out! Get out! You're boring me!" You know? And I mean, I'm not even in the office. I'm across the hall. I just hear it, and I don't even have a look at them. You don't know? I want them out. He sits there, nods graciously to them. He listens to them. You know? He is a wonderful visitor. He he takes the time to listen to people. And listen to them. And listen to them. And I don't. I want them to have a glass of iced tea and go.
2: (laughs) You know, I... And at
1: night, when we have parties and stuff, they come in, they want to stay and sing and do play games and stuff. After a certain period of time... I just, I like to come in and say, well, it's been nice having you, but I'm going to bed. Because I'm not a good visitor. He is. He loves people. And I need to remember to compliment him on those things. I need to remember to look for the good and to tell him the good. Uh, I don't have to compete with him. I don't have to compete with him in being a good visitor. I know what I am. You know, I'm, uh, I don't, I don't know what I am in terms of visiting. But I'm not as tolerant. And I'm not as patient as he is, and I need to remember to look for those things in him. He is a wonderful cabinet maker. He he does great furniture and stuff. I can't. I mean, I can't do anything. I hit my. I was. I'll tell that later about the snowblower. But I mean, it, uh, living with me sometimes has given him nervous ticks. And Clancy pointed this out last so graciously at the Omaha anniversary that he that he had developed a nervous tick as a result of living with me because I'm surprising um, to him but also to me you know because I don't always know what I'm going to do but I know that he is that my rock he is that solid he is my rock and if I change anything in him he won't be my rock anymore so I don't want to change anything in him. anyway that's the first one he's going to do the second one Mm.
0: You know, unity is really, you didn't do it the way I'd do it. Um, (laughs) uh, Unity is really based on common good. So if you have a relationship with someone else, what you want to do is make sure that your actions are based on the common good. What's good for both people or both persons or all people? Not what's good for you. Not what's selfish and self-centered. But simply what's, what's what's good for the relationship. And if it's not good for the relationship, don't do it save you a lot of trouble later on. <clears throat> the other thing that I wanted to say is, as far as having a relationship with another human being is concerned, I, I think that this might sound old-fashioned, but I think that there are two really basic criteria. I think that you ought to like them and respect them. And I think if you don't like them and respect them, I think that you ought to get the hell out of it now and save yourself a lot of grief. Because you're, if, there's, if the like and respect isn't there it's not going to show up it's not going to turn only in our fellowship is that miracle possible and i say is that miracle possible because if the other person is in in a their 12 step program in al anon or aa then they have a chance of changing and you can give a chance of changing but be careful be very careful if you learn to like and respect them that's fine but be very careful of the like in respect it's old fashioned it's reasonable second tradition says for our group purpose but there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern that means that I'm not the boss Peggy isn't the boss that means that God's a boss now how do you let God be the boss that's, that's kind of nice to say isn't it that's a nice sort of thing to say But for people like you and me, it's kind of hard for us to do that sort of thing because we want, we want God to come down and sort it out and say, you're wrong and you're right. Cut that out and you keep that up, you know. God doesn't do that. And we have to be able to sort out what that is. So the way you end up doing that is communicating with your partner. I know communication is a so, sort of a sore subject with a lot of people because they don't seem to know how to do that. But I like to think that every morning we take the dogs for a walk and we create a window in our life. And that is to say that window, there's nothing there except us and the dogs in the park where we take them for a walk. And uh we don't have anything to be concerned about. There's no people there to distract us. There's no... uh Uh, telephones that are ringing or are gonna ring, and it's a time, 15, 20 minutes, that we have to ourselves. And we have chosen this time, this window in life on a regular basis, as a, a time when we can communicate, as a time when Peggy can say anything that she wants to me, and I can say anything that I want to her, and we're not gonna fight because we are out in the public, you know, and, uh, not going to pick up a stick and beat each other or anything like that. <laughs> and we have chosen this as a time to communicate. And I think it's very necessary for uncommunicative people like we are to find a time when you can communicate. And it doesn't have to be daily, but it should certainly be on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. Uh, I know some people that take their spouses out, for a date, they take it out to dinner. They create a time when they can talk. They create a time when they can communicate one with another and tell what's going on in their own lives and how they feel about things. And we've been able to do this, and it, it makes our lives a lot easier. And it's not one of those things where you say something and you know your partner is going to be grinding at you all day because that's not a part of the deal. The part of the deal is you can discuss what you feel, and after you discuss what you feel, it's over. That's it. Then it's, uh, you know, if I say something to Peggy, I throw the ball in her court. She wants to do something that she can, she doesn't want to, that's her privilege. I don't really care what happens. I just know I got it out and I'm not carrying it around with me anymore. And she does the same thing. And it really makes you feel good. It makes you feel good because it frees you of the burden of self, which is what it really amounts to. So we're equals. We make, we equally make decisions. Important decisions in the family are made. We get together and we talk about it. Uh, when we had small children, they did not have a vote in what we were doing. Uh, family life is not a democracy. There are parents involved and, uh, the parents have the responsibility of making the decision for the family. And, uh, Peg and I would get together and find out what we felt was best for all. And lay it on. That's the way it is, kids. This is what we're going to do. If you like it, that's great. And if you don't, we hope you come along and see how it turns out. Because maybe it will turn out better than you think. So, remembering that there's no boss. You're on equal terms. You know, because I'm a male doesn't make me anything in the house any different than Peggy because she's a female. We both belong there in the home. We belong there together. She's no better than I am. I'm no better than she is. We're really there on equal terms. We're one human being, one of God's kids to one of God's kids. And it's just that simple. There's nothing complicated about that. That means that we both have to then subjugate our own egos. Just subjugate your own ego. And believe me, living with another human being will give you ego deflation at death if you don't get it any other way. Certainly our sponsors help with that. And that's important. But what's good for all? What's good for all? Let's do what's best for everyone involved. If it's harmful to one, then it's harmful to them all. And be careful to make sure that you feel comfortable with with the decision that is made. You don't have to implant the decision right away. You can make a decision, wait a day or two before you start it. You can talk about it, think about it a day or two, and talk about it again. There's there's no rush. We're not going to die tomorrow. The world isn't going to change because of our decisions one way or another. You can always take a little time to make sure you make the right decision. Make sure you make the decision that, that your spouse or your mate is comfortable with.
1: The only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. And uh, what, this, what this reminds me of is um, I have to have a desire to be there. I have to have a and i And I remember the, you know, here I go. You know, I mean, it's it's like I have these sentences that get chopped off in my head and they kind of come out my mouth at the same time. Um <laughs> In our relationship, we we met and married in Alcoholics Anonymous. We met, we dated all by a very short time, two months as a matter of fact. We were I was not pregnant. We just were in a hurry. Um, we did ask our sponsors. We did get permission. We had to call Dixon in Texas. He was in Texas, and we had to call him to get permission, and he gave us permission only because I'd been sober longer than Dick. I did But you have to have a desire to be there, to to be in it, to be to make it work, because sometimes, on some days. That may be the only thing there is. I mean, is the desire to be there. That may be it. I mean, he. You know how it is. Some days it just you're just both jerks. I mean, it can be that way. I mean, I love him because not because he's. I love people for what for their defects, don't you? Rather than for the. I mean, I love them for their assets too. But lots of times I can't see my own. I feel inferior to him sometimes. But if, but I can relate to a defect. I know what a defect is. You know, and when he's a jerk, I can, it warms my heart. (laughs) Because then I can be a jerk the next time, see? It's, it's, when I was growing up, my expectation was that a man would come along with a lot of money who was very handsome, a professional man who was gonna sweep me off my feet, carry me off to Nirvana, and we were gonna live. Laughter, right? Wasn't that, isn't that the white charger type of guy, you know? And, you know, what did I get? I mean, he... No, 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 wait a minute. He is not, he is not a knight in shining armor. Thank God he's not a knight in shining armor. Because that would put the knight in shining armor would be up here and the lowly maiden would be down here, right? But he's not a knight in shining armor. He's a man. He's a man. And at times he can be... A fallible man, you know, and 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 not not everything. But then that allows me to be my ex. What are my expectations? I love what Clancy says about the You know, when you're first in a relationship and your your hands touch <laughs> across the table and a spark flies and you go oh, and you fall to the floor in mad passionate love, you know, and rise around or whatever, and then. <laughs>
0: One of is
2: supposed
1: to get tied up first. Oh, shut up. And then six months later, and you're sitting at the same table, same two people, and your, your hands touch across the table, and you say, Give me the goddamn salt. You know? <laughs> You know, what is it? If I expect him to be more than he can be, I am always going to be disappointed. If I expect him to be what I can be, then I'm going to be okay. You know, I cannot make it. I can't put expectations. Anytime I put expectations on things, it always works out wrong, doesn't it? It never works out like it's supposed to. You know, it's like when, you're, when you get a new car. The 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 anticipation of it, the anticipation of getting a new car is great, right? You get the new car, smells good for about three days, smells like leather, you know, or whatever the inside of the new car smells like. And then after the realization of it it is, is not that great. But in spiritual stuff, the the expectation of a spiritual relationship with somebody is Ugh. You know, I mean it's like, ugh. Yeah, it's it's no big you know, it's like you can't sit around thinking, Well, I'm gonna have a spiritual relationship with him. No, give me sex or something. Don't give, me, don't give me spiritual re- but the realization of it that he is my friend, that he is my helpmate, that he is there for me, that that I mean, just to be able to reach sometimes at night. We're just laying there, you know, and he snores bad. I mean, he does snore. But I've I've developed tricks through the years. I just I just say, "Honey," and he go mm. he, he really hears me. He does hear me. And then I'll say, "You're snoring," and he'll go. Mm. And then he'll turn over and he'll quit, you know, until I can get to sleep. But sometimes I just reach over for it for the feel of him, you know, just because he's there. And that's after 25 years. Now, sometimes I'll want to hit him, too. <laughs> you know, but that's all part of that, isn't it? So it's a desire to be there. It's really the desire to be there and the commitment to it. I remember one time, well, I don't want my hand to be on the doorknob all the time. In the first couple of years we were married, I was always going to divorce him. I mean, if he didn't mind... I was going to divorce him. I said, if you don't mind, I'm going to... I remember, I hit him. He's never hit me. I hit him once. Just hit him hard as I could on the back. Boom, like this. And he turned around, and all of a sudden it occurred to me, he's a lot bigger than me. He's not as mean, but he's bigger. And he didn't say anything, but he just looked at me. So we, ne- we have a rule. We don't lay hands on each other. <laughs> it's a good thing for me, I think, huh? Anyway... Uh, what was I saying?
2: <laughs>
1: oh, hand on the doorknob. I kept telling him, you know, I, I'll i get, you know, well, I'll just divorce you. And he turned to me one day, because I always did that when I didn't get my way. I'd say, I'm just, we'll just get a divorce. It's not going to work. And he turned to me and he said, don't say that again unless you mean it. Because, and, and I go, oh, I've lost it. I mean, I... Don't say it unless you mean it. And I knew that he always, he didn't say things he didn't mean. Serious stuff. So that was out of my vocabulary. Like my dad says, there are no divorces in our family. Homicides? Yes. No divorces. We're not, we're not Catholic, but we just don't get divorces. You know, I mean it's, we gotta try. We gotta hang in there and try and get through the bad times and stuff. And I think that takes a commitment. Anyway, that's very good.
0: The guys I sponsor know that I occasionally express the idea of going to Australia or New Zealand. You know what I, I I get this thought every now and then I, I just get pissed. I don't know I don't know the other way of putting it. I just get pissed. And, you know, I think to myself damn her anyway. You know, what I'll do is the house is all paid for. I'll go down to the bank and I'll get a mortgage on the house. I'll make sure that the credit cards are all up to snuff and I'll take the credit cards and I'll go get a loan and I'll just go and head off to the west. Head off in the sunset. Let them fend for themselves by God, you know. That's as far as it goes. I just think of it and it just frees me. I just feel like I'm on the mountains of New Zealand already. You know. I don't know where she goes in her mind, but New Zealand is not a bad-looking bad, bad looking place to me sometimes. And that's because that's the way my mind is. It isn't that I really want to do that. It isn't that I'm really going to do that. It's just that I get these things in my mind every now and then that that seems like a damn good idea, just to get the hell out, you know. I think it's the, I think it's the runner in me. I just like to run away sometimes. Just run away from home like I used to do when I was drinking. My first wife didn't think that was funny though. I forget to come back so many times. (laughs) Fourth tradition says each group should be autonomous, accepting matters affecting other groups or A as a whole. And what this refers to is our ability hopefully to become unselfish. Hopefully to understand that each person is an individual in the relationship and that each person can do whatever they wish to do as long as it doesn't harm the relationship. I can do whatever I want to do as long as Peggy, uh, for an example, in my relationship with her, I can do whatever I want to do as long as it doesn't affect her in a negative way, in a harmful way. If I do something that affects her in a harmful way, then I'm wrong. If I were to run out run around on her, for an example, I really don't think that she would... I don't think that she would cotton to that very well. <laughs> Maybe that's an understatement. <laughs> I haven't tried it, so I don't know what, it's, what it would happen. But I have a sneaking suspicion it wouldn't go over very well. And I don't think that uh that sort of an autonomous action is principled. But I think it would be perfectly okay for me, me to make a decision uh based on an AA request to go somewhere and talk. It's okay for me to do that without asking her permission. You know, having some knowledge of what her schedule is or isn't may have something to do with it. But also, I can't make a commitment for her. There are oftentimes people who say, well, someone this weekend asked, you know, would, would you have lunch with me? And you and Peggy have lunch with me. And I said, well, I can, and I... I that would be fine with me, but if you want Peggy to go, you're gonna to have to ask her, because I don't make decisions for her. I don't know what she has planned. And I don't make decisions for Peggy, and she doesn't make decisions for me. And, uh, it, it just, because it can't be done that way. Because we're both autonomous people. We're separate individuals, and we have a right to be separate individuals. As long as, again, what we do doesn't affect the other partner in a negative way. We can live our lives in any way we wish to. So, I have to understand that my actions do affect other people, and that my actions have to be in concert with their actions, and they have to be principled, or else it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. I have to be willing at all times to be helpful. I don't always, when Peggy's up running the vacuum cleaner, I don't jump up and say, oh, gee, let me vacuum. But if she says, would you finish vacuuming? I have to be willing to do that. I don't always volunteer to help her, but if she asks or says she wants help, I have to be willing to do that. And I am willing to do that. I, uh, I think that I have a right to share my thoughts and my feelings. I think I have a right to disagree uh, with her. Uh, if she has uh, thoughts and feelings, she can have whatever thoughts that she wishes. It doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, I'm sure she thinks some strange things. But the main thing is, I don't have to agree with what she, what she says, nor does she have to agree with what I say. But she has the right to say those things, and I don't have a right to disagree with her either. i don 't have to agree, but I don't have to disagree because disagreeing is being unpleasant, and i don't have to be i don't have to do it that way. She can express my feelings and I can express my feelings that's communication and after that's done, then perhaps we have a, a ground to discuss something and come to a conclusion together. Number five.
1: Disagree without being disagreeable. And I think that 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 was like a revelation to me, that you could actually disagree with someone and not have them be your mortal enemy. I just thought if if everybody thought I was wrong, or if if somebody thought I was wrong, that that meant that they didn't like me. You know, that it was automatically because they disagreed with me that they didn't like me. And that's not true. I mean, I have found that that's not true. But see, I was so insecure that... I had to have total approval. Total approval. And you can't get total approval from anybody. Mary was talking about it last night. You can't get total approval from anybody. I, You know, I have to be secure in myself, and AA has worked its magic on me in that way. You know, the steps are, are, are magic for that. I mean, they are. They have worked magic with me. Uh, and God has worked magic with me through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and through an awful lot of people. And, you know, let me tell you something. Let me get this off my chest, too. There, there's a lot of people who say, hey, we can't have heroes in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's basically, I understand the premise. But there are some heroes in AA to me. By God. They have saved my life. And they are the most unlikely people. But they are heroes to me because they have come into my life and done things with me and for me that I never would have, they have helped me participate in my own recovery. And, and they, I, they will always be heroes to me. Even if they could, some of my heroes are jerks at times, but they're still a hero to me because they're fallible and they're human. Where are we? Five? Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. I think in, in this one, what really comes out to me is that my membership in Alcoholics Anonymous in this relationship is a given. We met and married in AA. We don't know. We, we didn't. I saw him when he came in, and, and I mean, he was rough looking, let me tell you. And he had a crew cut, and he was real skinny, looked like his butt had been shot off in the war. And he was able, He he. I mean, he really, he looked like a newcomer. I mean, he really looked like a newcomer, and he was real, real skinny, you know, and he, he, um, he was a salesman, and he, I mean, I just didn't like anything about him, and of course, because, so I married him two months later, you know, that's how kind of stuff I have, but, um. Our relationship is based on our membership in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's based on our recovery. I don't know what it would be like if, if one or the other of us wasn't in recovery. I don't know. I've never had to, to do that. But that is the primary thing in our... Is that we are in recovery. I have the greatest respect for the for the power of the AA program. And I think that the, the power of God comes through the power that his power which is to me I can't even imagine that much power comes through you people into this relationship and I so this is one of the almost a requirement in our our marriage is that we are in recovery that each of us is in recovery I have to take care my pigeons hate this I have to take care of my side of the street even though it's hard for me to see my side of the street because his side of the street is sometimes so messed up that I'm always looking over there. There's papers blowing around over there. There's stuff not done. There's notes I've pinned on his side of the street for him to read so he remembers to do things. There's, you know, all that stuff is over on his side of the street. And I, I want to make sure he does it. But my sponsor says to me, and I say to the girls I sponsor, take care of your side of the street. Well, what about his side of the street? It's all messed up. And, you know, and he, down, and he is a reflection. And I had to discover that this man was not a reflection on me. What he did was not a reflection on me. Unfortunately or fortunately, I am my reflection. I am my reflection, sometimes I'd like for you to be my reflection, or somebody to be my reflection besides me to be my reflection, but he, I am not, he is not a reflection of me, therefore, and I remember Clancy said to me, he said to me aside one time, because I called him up about this problem, I was talking to him, and he, it was, it was all Dick's fault, of course. And I said to him, he said to me when he first got on the phone, he said, I told you ten years ago, honey, get away from that controversial son of a bitch before he takes you down. <laughs> you know? And then he laughed. He goes, oh, 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 you know? And I laughed, but I thought about it. No, I didn't. <laughs> this is what is so wonderful. This is the freedom to be in this interdependent relationship is that he can be who he is. I can be who I am and I'm okay. He's okay. And that's okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it sounds a little goofy, but that's, it, it really, it, it means something to me. I know that. Um, another thing, too, is this. I never knew how to have an equal relationship. I was always the boss. Uh, Madeline, Madeline knows what I mean. I mean, Madeline is aware of, being the boss in relationships, and I wouldn't sponsor her if she weren't. I mean, most of the people that I sponsor, Joan too. except we can't find anybody for Joan right now, but she wants to be the boss in a relationship, okay, so if there's anyone out there, (laughs) never mind, She's a real hard worker, and she's beautiful. She looks like a grape today. She has a great color. So if you see a grape moving around, come talk to her. Anyway, I was always the boss. I mean, I was the boss, or else, take a hike, you know. I mean, it's like if you had a Ford Fairlane, I went with you for as long as I liked the Ford Fairlane, and then take a hike. You know, I was on it. A... and And um, I took hostages. I didn't have friends. I didn't have boyfriends. I roped them, tied them up, and strapped them to my saddle. That's what I did. And as long as they didn't struggle too much, I kept them. Right? Isn't that the way you do it? And so they were hostages. And when they When I was a kid, you know, I'd run out in the playground. Wanna fight? You know, and then they'd say, no, we wanna go home. Well, fight! I wanna fight! You know, I'm just a goofy kid. But that's the way, it, and it was because I was so insecure. You know, I know it's hard to believe, but I mean, I was scared. That's why I took you hostage. Because I was afraid you'd escape. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's I was afraid you well, when you get into a marriage, they can divorce you and escape. You can't have a hostage. You've got to be, it has to be equal footing. It has to be. You can't bind them by your insecurities. You can't emotionally blackmail. I hate myself when I do that. It makes me feel less than when I do that. I don't like that. I don't like to play those games. And I've done that. I've played the little simpering idiot i've pl- to get my way i've played the bully to get my way i don't want to do that anymore i don't want i want to just be me i want to be plain i want not boring but plain i don't want to have to be contorted emotionally in order to get my way i just want to be i just want to be plainly out the window do you know what i'm saying just be there stand there and be myself and i think that's what this is saying is that my membership in this thing is, is a desire for me to be in it and to be supportive in it. Uh, to be, it, it isn't always gonna be an equal thing. It's not gonna be 50-50 all the time. Most of the time it's 80-20 or 20-80 or 30-70 or 40-60 or something. And when we expect it to be absolutely equal, we're setting ourselves up to fail again. But when it's, it, it, so every day I expect either Dick or I to be a little better in it than the other one is. You know? It's never gonna be, or very rarely ever, 50-50. But if we don't expect it to be that way, then it, it will never disappoint us. Thank you.
0: talking about, you know, a relationship. You know, I always heard that there are supposed to be 50-50 deals too. Well, I, uh, I discovered that there are times when I'm sure that Peggy feels like she's carrying 80% of the load and that I'm carrying 20, and she feels that way. And she never comes out and says that, but I get the feeling that that's what's going on. Sometimes when that happens, I'm putting forth 200% of my effort. I really am. I am doing the very best that I can under that circumstance. And it isn't seen... You know, she doesn't see it that way. And sometimes she's doing the same thing. Sometimes when I think that she really ought to make a better effort towards something, uh, you know, that she's falling short of my judgment of what she should or should not be doing, I know that she is going all the way and she's putting her all into it. And I really do. And, gotta remember that. Gotta remember that there's no balance here. There's no balance in life. There's no There's no evenness in life. There are consequences that are going to change, and people's views are going to change because they're different one to another. Sixth tradition says an AA group ought never endorse finance or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. It's talking about money, property, and prestige. That's what it's talking about. That means that I can't loan money to somebody without asking her about it. Does that make sense? That means that I can't say, oh, come on over and use our house, without saying something to her about it. I can't say, well, we're too big for that, without saying something to her about it. Because my judgment may not be correct, and I don't have the right to be in that be the decision-making one. I don't have the right to be the decision-making one. We can make the decision. I can't make the decision. I can suppose a decision based on previous experience, but I really can't make the decision. So I can't endorse finance or lend us to anybody or anything. I only have the right to lend me, as long as it doesn't interfere with with our relationship. I have to remember that charity does, in fact, begin at home, and I have to make sure that that there's enough ample funds for the family before I spend money. If I spend money and we're on the shorts, then I'm doing the wrong thing. I have to be careful of that. Years ago, when we were first married, we didn't have a whole lot of money. and We made a we made a pact between each other, but neither would spend any more than a certain amount of money. I think it was in $25, I'm not sure, without saying something to our partner about it, without saying something first to our partner. And I know there are people on lesser financial circumstances than me who might choose to make that $10. Or perhaps you need to make it $50 or $100 or $1,000. I don't know what your number is. But perhaps some agreement would be coming forth like that so financially you can feel comfortable one with the other. And you don't feel that someone's taking advantage of you. Well, he went out and bought a new seat. I got to go out and buy a new seat, well, I don't know, it's Nikes. well, I think I ought to have two pairs of shoes, you know. You know, I'll get that son of a bitch, you know. You know what that bitch did to me today? And, you know, it's she one she, she bought today. I think I'll go out and you know. I've seen people play that game. <laughs> I'm, God, I'm glad we never played that. We never have played that, and I'm so glad we never played that. Because I suspect that I would have been much better at it than she because I was a lot of shove that money out, I'll tell you. But uh it just means really you can't put the material before the spiritual. And the spiritual is our relationship one with another. It's important to me. You know, I'm very proud of Peggy, I really am. She uh uh I'm proud of uh, of her as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm proud the way that she carries the message, and I'm proud of how she sponsors the girls that she sponsors. But that's what she does. That's her thing. I'm proud of her because it's good for her. It isn't good for me at all. It really isn't good for me at all. It doesn't really, again, it it doesn't reflect on me at all. She is my wife, and we are companions, and we're friends, and we're a lot of things. But that doesn't reflect on me. What I do it reflects on me. And it's kind of nice that I'm kind of proud of what I do. I'm not ashamed of what I do. I'm proud of what I do. I like to think that I'm a good member of AA, that I'm a good sponsor and I care. And I like to think that I'm a good father and a good husband. And I'm proud of myself when I am. And I know that she's proud of me when I am that too and I'm proud of her when she is that but it's her it's not me I can't live on her laurels I have to live on my own laurels I can't live on how she feels about herself I have to live on how I feel about myself so although we're married and we're companions and lovers and mates and friends and all of those sorts of things We don't endorse each other's bullshit. We just don't do that. We just don't do that. And nor do we try to take claim one for the other's accomplishments. Her accomplishments are hers. She's an accomplished artist. I say accomplished because she's had an offer for her paintings of over a $100, and I think that that's accomplished. (laughs) I've been paying for art lessons low these many goddamn years. Seems to be like she ought to share it, but she says nah <laughs> we care about that Peggy is a uh, you know it, this has been a sore point in our marriage from time to time because she paints in watercolors watercolors are different than what I want art to be I expect a tree to look like a tree you know, the trunk should say you know it's brown, you know, and leaves are green, you know, and they have definition. And watercolors, it's without definition, and it's, uh, it's the fantasy of the artist's eye. And I know that. And she, always, she brings these, she's really a glutton for punishment. She brings these things. What do you think of this painting, Dick? <laughs> I don't like watercolors. I kept, keep calling her. I don't, you know, it's not my favorite medium. You know, I don't really don't much care for it. She keeps bringing them to me. She is getting a little bit better though. Because I'm beginning to like some of them. And, uh, I like them especially when she puts rabbits in them and, and things like, uh, maybe a cardinal. And, you know, I want to see something in there. And a, you know, I, I, I don't have a I don't have that sort of a mind where I can appreciate that. And I really don't. And that isn't bad or good, that's just that I don't. You know, I appreciate art that I see as, as something for me to appreciate. I really appreciate her skill and her techniques and her talent. She has that, and I appreciate that. But the end result is something that's just not necessarily to my fancy. And I really don't. And that isn't bad or good. That's just that I don't. You know, I appreciate art that I see as, as something for me to appreciate. I really appreciate her skill and her techniques and her talent. She has that. And I appreciate that. But the end result is something that's just not necessarily to my fancy. She keeps bringing them back, though. She's a glutton for punishment. I'll say that. I'll she You know, why she... She every time she does says, I don't know why I ask you. You yeah. because I can't compliment her. She knows when I say something that I, I'm not necessarily meaning what I say.
2: Yeah. I don't know how to do it. You
0: know, I, I don't. Well, oh, that's beautiful, Peggy. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I wonder what, what it is. You know, I'll be glad when she gets out of her blue period. You know. But she has really done a marvelous job. She's really done a marvelous job, because when we first met, she was drawing cartoon characters to put in the children's room to amuse the babies and so on, with big eyes and things, you know. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a great change. I'm very proud of her, because she works at it very hard. She really does works at it diligently, and, and she really cares about it. And uh, I'm very proud of her for what she does. Uh, I just, hell, I just wish she'd paint something I liked, you know. <laughs> but, uh, she's a great gal.
1: He, he likes those pictures they bolt to the walls in Howard Johnson's, you know. <laughs> the ones that... Oh, that was clever, huh? What was it? You spilled the water. Oh, I did? Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, well. Cam,
1: sit down. It's all right. He can take a bath over here. Yeah. No, just wipe it. No, it's okay. It's really okay. If I break my neck well then. No, no. No, no. It's okay. No, no. Listen, I'm used to this. I'm the world's biggest klutz. I really am. Things, you know, drawers jump out and catch the pockets of my robe and stuff. You know, they literally do it to uh, just irritate me, I think. I'm just very clumsy. uh, Our daughter-in-law, who is a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and our son, who is a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, our daughter-in-law came the other day, and Dick said something uh, early in the morning uh, when they came over. They had nothing to do with anything that we'd just been talking about. And, And I looked at Maya, and she looked at me, and we couldn't figure out what he was talking about. And she said to him, she says, I hope you don't get senile because if you do we'll have to put you out in the backyard. <laughs> she said you'll probably sing dirty songs and we'll be ashamed of you.
2: <laughs> it
1: <was so> funny. <laughs> Cause he's such a character, you know. Anyway, <laughs> But he does say about my art. He does say things like that's very interesting. And I know that that means he's very He's, you know, he likes what I've done and he appreciates the effort but he doesn't care for it because I paint blue trees and pink trees, and, you know, other stuff. And uh, you know, it, it it isn't as representational as he would like. That's it. That's the only thing. Every group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. It's not going to take long now, guys. You're being wonderful. You really are not too many people have even fallen asleep. Um <laughs> And for me, um, one of the things I had to get over was was controlling. And I know those of you who are members of Al-Anon know nothing about control. <laughs> but I had to, I, there's a lot of that in me. And I have to, I had to get over controlling because when I control people, I'm limiting their options to suit my needs. I limit their options to suit my needs so I don't get hurt. When Jimmy was out drinking, uh, I would stand at the window, and I, I love this. It's an al story, but I love it anyway. I would stand at my window, and I would look out, and I would make deals with God, and I would say, "If it's if it's the next car, I will be so good all year. I promise you, I will be good all year. I will not yell at my pigeons. I will not kick dick. I will not do all of these, I will be good. And I had my window. And see these up here? You think that these are wrinkles, don't you? They're Venetian blind marks. (laughs) So I know about Venetian blind marks. I've been at that window. And what I would do is I would limit him. I would say, now you be at so-and-so's house, at such and such a time, and I will come and get you. And he would call, and he would say he was at so-and-so's place, and, and I would feel relaxed because I would know where he was. Of course, it turns out later that he was never where he said he was, but that was okay because I was controlling that emotion to meet my need of fear. It was controlling him, I thought, to meet that need of fear. and And I can't do that. I mean, I can't. I mean, I can't. Controlling dick is is like trying to stuff 20 pounds of worms in a one-pound bag. Controlling anyone is like that. They keep escaping, you know, and and it's just a full-time job, and I was wearing myself out with it. Whenever I do things entirely for other people, whenever I do their tasks, whenever I do anything, take over their job for them, I ensure their failure of ever being able to do it themselves. So I never let them have the dignity of being a whole human being. When I'm doing that kind of stuff, they don't have that dignity. They don't have the dignity of failure. They I can remember doing that with Jimmy so much. You know, when he was growing up, he would make his bed up, and it would be a wreck. And I would go in and make it up right after him, do it right after him. And he remembered that because he, he told me, you know, and I would fuss at him And I, when he got bigger, and I'd say, I'm going to send you to military school. Well, he never got scared because he, he knew I never even called a military school. I only knew one military school, and I wasn't going to send him there. It was just my way of getting him to do what I wanted him to do. I can't do that anymore. i got to be a, an adult. I've got to be an adult. It's just irpy sometimes, and it's hard sometimes. It's hard to just stand there and hurt, isn't it? Stand there and die for somebody, you know. Stand there at your window and make deals with God. One night they were all out. Where's Madeline? All of them were out. Every, all of them are in AA now. I mean, Jimmy's all Jimmy's good friends, Madeline's Suncrest. everybody, they're all coming into AA now. But they, they were all at a concert down at uh, Civic Auditorium. And it was late, and we always knew the schedules, you know. You call and find out when they let out. So we thought it would let out at 11.15 or whatever the concert was. Well, the concert didn't get, it, it was late. And it was 1 o'clock, and it was 1.30, and Dick had fallen asleep in his chair. And I would walk past him in my pacing, because I paced. And I would, every once in a while, I'd run out, jump in the car, and go look for him. As if I could know where to find him. You know, I just drive around Bellevue. You know, here I'm the spiritual guru of Bellevue. I'm acting like an idiot. You know, I'm out driving around looking for this kid, you know? Uh-huh. And then I'm back at home and I'm kicking dick and I said, waking up! Your only son is out there and he's, I would be dead. You know, you'd never know it. And Kinron's with him and he's a drunk and you know what he is and blah, 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 blah. I'm like this and I'm looking out, I'm looking for him. I'm making deals and everything. So he pulls, then, finally, the lights. He comes, he pulls in the driveway, he comes to the door, he opens, I open, I rush to the door. I pull him along I say, where the hell have you men? You know, as if I had, you know, I mean the concern that I had. I mean, I, I, was, I was making I you know, so bring him home, I love him, I'll making well, I'll sew his mouth shut. You know, he won't drink again, I promise you, you know, he won't never smoke any of those little funny cigarettes anymore and get blue-headed. You know, he just won't do it, I'll make sure he doesn't. Then I yank you the door, know, where the hell have you been? You know, as if yeah, the concern that I showed for the suffering alcoholic, you know, and as I say now, they're well. And then I found out that they're no less. Madeline was smarter. She sent Les out looking for him you know, because it was real late, and they didn't get out until late. Of course, they smoked some dope on the way home, but what the hell? <laughs> so I have to, you know, I have to, I have to be responsible for myself because if I take over other people's responsibilities. They're never going to be able to to do it. They're never going to be able to do it. God, it's it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I have to be able to take responsibility for myself. I never want to do that. Never want to take responsibility. If it's my fault, I have hope because I can change. If it's your fault, no matter who you is. I don't have a hope. I'm hopeless. If it's your fault, I'm hopeless. Because I cannot change you. If it's my fault, I can change. That's taking responsibility for myself. That's it.
0: (laughs) A should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. And that means that she is not... A professional wife. I am not a professional husband. She's not a professional cook. I'm not a professional carpenter. That means that uh, uh, what we do in our house is we let talent prevail. Talent and desire prevail. And that is to say, who cares? He who cares does. He who doesn't care, don't do. All right. Checkbook. Good example. I could care less about money. I really could. And it's not because I'm wealthy, because I'm not. But I, money doesn't mean anything to me. It's just like rocks. And I don't know any other way of expressing it. It really doesn't mean anything. To, I just want to make sure I have enough to do what I want to do. And I don't really, the amount of money or whatever doesn't make any difference. You know, when I take care of the checkbook, I, uh, check off the checks on the, on the, in the, uh, uh, check stubs and I, Check the checks off against what I have written in there and check, make sure the bank says the same thing and whatever the bank's balance is, alright with me, I don't give a damn. You know, and if, if the checkbook says something different, I change the checkbook. You know, oh, no. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Because I don't care. You Within know, reason, I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. And it's very important to Peggy. Yeah. Perfectionism in checkbooks is very important to her. And I just don't care. And so therefore she takes care of the checkbook. I don't care. I don't have a, I don't have the vaguest idea how much money we have in the checking account. I mean, I
2: couldn't,
0: I, I couldn't tell you how much is in there within hundreds of dollars. I don't have the vaguest idea. I just know that there's enough in there and I got enough credit cards and I don't care. You know, I can do what I want to do. As long as it's reasonable, I can do what's reasonable. And Peggy expects me to do what's reasonable, and I expect her to do what's reasonable, and those are reasonable expectations. Because she has shown herself to be fiscally responsible, I have shown myself to be fiscally responsible, and so we expect one another to to carry on with that and not get goofy. And we don't often get goofy, and we really don't. God, I do like shirts, though. <clears throat> but I don't run the house. She doesn't run the house. Uh I'm not the boss. She's not the boss. I don't always know truth. She doesn't always know truth. I don't always know the best way or the right way. She doesn't always know the best way or the right way. It doesn't have to be my way, and it doesn't have to be her way. It can be our way. And it's really okay. I can compromise. It really doesn't make any difference. It ain't no big deal. Life is really not a big deal. Compromising is not giving up your integrity. Compromising is getting along. Compromising is being reasonable. I don't... uh, I really try desperately not to let my own pride dictate policy. If you understand what I'm saying, it doesn't have to be because I said it. It doesn't have to be because that's nothing but being egocentric. And I don't, I would like to get rid of myself if I could, and I'm doing a pretty good job at it at a day at a time. But on a long-term basis, I can see that I am getting better at giving up self and getting along. And I'm very pleased about that because it makes me comfortable. And also because I care, I know that it makes her comfortable.
1: My daughter-in-law is a lot like me, and uh, Dick and our son, they're a lot alike. And they are uh, very often out, they, they do nice things. Jim does nice things. I mean, he is so nice, and he's, he's nice, and Jimmy's nice, and Maya and I have this little code where we, when one of them does something very nice, we go, oh, he's so out of cell.
2: Because
1: <laughs> we sort of like don't spring to those sorts of ideas just naturally, you know. Usually we have to sort of work our way into them and so forth. Um, What The the ninth one says, A.A. as such ought never be organized when you may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. And this always reminds me of the Brady Bunch. Remember the Brady Bunch? worst damn family I've ever... Seen. I mean, it's just... It. I think they scarred American family life because it seemed like they always got along. They were so irpy, weren't they? They just smiled and they, they loaded the dishwasher together and they had ponytails, and they never had any acne or anything. They were just nice people, and they did things in a certain way. My family was never like that. My family growing up was not like that. Our family is not like that. We argued over whose turn it was to put the dishes in the dishwasher when we had a dishwasher. We. This is just, you know, I broke my sister's braces on several occasions. I threw things at her. You know, she used to pop her, you know how her rubber bands, the rubber bands, There she'd go, ah! like that and they pop out like that, strike me in the face, and I... Interesting family, you know. I was I was grounded frequently. Uh, when Suzanne was about three years old, I cut all her hair off, me and Smokey Camel, because we didn't think she's supposed to have hair. She hadn't had any up to then, so we just cut it all off. I got grounded. I was in fights with people. I was always getting in grounded for fights with people, you know, stuff like that. We had an interesting family. It was a family, and it was never organized. Never. But I had a girl that I sponsored who lives down in Florida now, who's become semi-famous, because she had family night after she got sober. By God, she was going to get them together. They were going to have fun. And it was Wednesday night. This was family night. And they were going to make cookies. And they were going to do brownies, and they were going to play games, and they were going to, you know, the usual family night, and about 7.30, every family night, I would get a call, nobody wants to bake cookies, he doesn't sleep on the couch, Alex is in his room, we can't do, you know, it, it was, ne- you cannot legislate happiness, you, know? <laughs> you cannot legislate, you have to be spontaneous, it's like sex, you know that I have people that I sponsor who have the night, once a week, and I mean they're young, like you know when they should be like minks or something, you know? I mean, but they have two nights. Saturday night, by God, they take a bath and they get ready, you know. And you know, now, you know, when you're older, it's okay. I mean sometimes that has to be that way. You have to get prepared, you know. And you know, when you're younger, you don't, you know, and. Then about it. It's like, it's like, oh, hello, there we are, you know.
2: <laughs> you
1: can't legislate that, for heaven's sakes. I mean, be creative. You know, we have been... Cre- he is so creative.
2: So creative.
1: Oh, he introduced me to the wonders of Cool Whip. It was... You can you've got active imagination. Figure it out. And you know, like the, When would didn't have any money. He's always had such a good time with it. He's never been a prude. I've always been Oh, for heaven's sakes, don't make any
2: noise.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like oh, I remember when my dog was in heat, one of our dogs was in heat, and the other dog was, you know, doing his thing. I called Dick up, I said, Dick! Dick Arthur is doing this thing to Guinevere. We had a Camelot sort of family. (laughs) Arthur's doing this. He's 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 being an animal. (laughs) He's an animal. He's a dog. (laughs) Oh no, he's my baby. You know. Anyway, he was. I was always real thin, blue-lipped about stuff. You know. And he kind of relaxed me. And the first real test was, of course, the night, the, the Christmas that we had. That where he was, uh, we had no money at all. And, uh, six dollars actually in the checking account. We, we decided we weren't gonna get each other presents. So, I come home and he says, and I'm, I'm moping. I mean, I'm going to go to talk at the Alphathon. I'm going to help somebody over Christmas. (laughs) I won't miss the fact that I have no presents for the first time in 27 years. You know, I I mean, I'm really feeling sorry for myself. And I come home, he says, I have a present for you. I thought, first I was ashamed because I had no present for him. Then I was mad at him because we had agreed not to get any presents. You know those conflicting emotions. So he goes into the bathroom. About a minute later, He jumps out of the bathroom, stark naked, with a big red bow tied (laughs) you-know-where, and he goes, here comes Santa (laughs) Claus. You know, I mean so have fun. Be sponta- you know, be spontaneous. I mean you can't and this is part of the relationship, isn't it? I mean it's isn't it? And and you know, we had a scare lately because he got he got sick and and I guess that there's comes times when you just are pick at one another. You know, you don't you get in the habit of being crabby with one another and it it, it it's never comfortable and this because he got sick and because we thought he had this bad thing, we, you know, it, it really put a stop to that. It really said, and I, I realized how precious he was to me, and I realized again, and I know that, but sometimes I need to be reminded because I'm an alcoholic and because I'm a human being. I need to be reminded what's important, and it all worked out fine. But during those days that we had to wait, I was terrified. But for once... I did not take out my terror on him. I tried to support, to be supportive of him and to not act as though I was scared and not, because I always, you know, when I get scared like that, what I want to do is I want to hang on his coattail and go... (laughs) Be all right. And, and he'll say, I don't know if it's going to be all right. Well, that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear it's going to be all right. He can't tell me it's going to be all right. And it's a circle, you know. So this time I was so, I was, I was good. But I was good, wasn't I? Yeah, I was good. <laughs> I was, I really, I really felt good about it. And I was, but of course then I was so thrilled, you know, when we got the news and so forth. And I was really thrilled and grateful. Because I realized how precious he is to me and what his love means to me and what his companionship means to me. And, and all of that is spontaneous and it's all flexible. You know, it's, it's, we can't legislate when we're gonna do what or when we're gonna go out to dinner. Just do something for fun. You know, for the, for the moment. We went to see Dances with Wolves the other night and oh my god, what a movie. And in, the, there was this one scene, you know, where they, I couldn't look. I could not look, and he knew that, and he reached over and touched my hand because he knew I couldn't look. You know, he knew it, and we feel the same in some of those areas. So it's really neat, you know, and that has not come automatically. That's come through a lot of work and a lot of sharing and a lot of communicating.
2: Thank you.
0: Was in uh, Burlington, Iowa several weeks ago and had a roundup down there and taping had a girl come up and she wanted to buy the Traditions in Relationships which we had taped and, uh, she said saw my name badge and saw was Dick M from Bellevue she said oh are you the are you the, the Dick on, on the tapes <laughs> said, well, yes, I am. She said, said, are are you really? And I said, yeah, honey, you want to see my red bow? (laughs) 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 Number 10, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the A name ought never be drawn into public controversy. And we as family members, we don't have any we don't have any right to mess in other things. Uh We don't have... We have only opinions as it relates to us. Not opinions... I don't really have to... I don't have to carry a flag for anything I can indicate. I don't have to go out and protest against a war for an example. I can just not say something for it. Or... I can hang a flag out if I want to, if I want to. That's okay, too, because that's not involving myself in some public situation. That's just simply being, and I can do that. There doesn't have to be any argument on what's right and what's wrong for the world. There are people that are in charge of the world. I don't know whether you notice this or not, but... There was some general named Norman over in Saudi Arabia who did an excellent job. And I didn't have to go over there and run the war. I mean, I really didn't have to do it. I could delegate that responsibility to Norman. And he did a pretty good job, I thought. And uh, I was rather proud of him, as a matter of fact. Go for it, Norman. But it's none of my business. It's Norman's business. It's not my business. He knows a lot more about it than I do, apparently. Because I would have done it differently.
2: <laughs>
0: but the point really is that it's, you know, I have, I have only to sit back and allow the rest of the people to take care of what they have the responsibility to take care of. And applaud them for their efforts, whether it turns out right or wrong. I don't have to make a decision on what's right and wrong for the world. There are other people who have that responsibility. I can bemoan my life as it has affected me one way or the other, perhaps, or observe my life, but I don't really have to get out and raise hell about it one way or another because it may not be Peggy's opinion, and uh, there isn't any sense to carry it forth. I don't have to make a spectacle of myself. One thing that Peggy and I agreed to do after being exposed to some contrary behavior uh, on other people is we agreed not to speak ill of each other in public, and we don't speak ill of each other to other people. And you know why? It's really very simple. It gets into a really bad habit. You know, I can see it now, you know. Well... You're married to the bitch that I'm married to, you know, on and on and on and on. And, uh, I used to do that when I was drinking. I used to tell the bartender about my wife as if he cared, you know. You know, actually, what he should have done is say, Dick, you stay right here. I think I'll go see her, you know. <laughs> she was lonely. But, uh, to remember that I have a responsibility to take care of my side of the street. And I have a responsibility to speak well of my partner and not ill of my partner. Or say nothing at all. Say nothing at all. But speak well when I speak or not say anything at all. Because very simply, it isn't... My mind changes all the time. You know, my feelings change. You open or close the door, my feelings change. I'm gonna change my attitudes and my feelings every time I have the opportunity, every time something changes. Somebody walks in and out of the room. Like, Where the hell's Phil going now? Yeah. You know, well maybe he's gotta to go to the bathroom. Well that guy just came back from the bathroom. That's okay. Well here comes Phil back again. You know, I thought Phil liked while I'm talking. You know, and, I didn't really care, Phil. (laughs) Phil's a good man. Good man. But I have to take care of my side of the street. I don't have to worry about your side of the street. I don't have to worry about whether the president does good, bad, or indifferent. That's his responsibility. I have a right to vote for who I want in there next time, one way or the other. But I don't have a right to argue about whether he's doing right, wrong, or indifferent. It's really kind of none of my business. I had a chance to vote. I made my vote. I gave him the job. It's up to him to do it. If he doesn't do it, shame on him. I ain't going to vote for that son of (laughs) a bitch again. Solves that problem. I mean, it really does. I have done my part. My part is to make place the vote. My part is not to do anything beyond that. And I don't have to enter any outside controversies. I'll let the rest of them do that. That's their business, not mine. I have to take my own inventory. I have to take care of what I can take care of. I have to take care of my world. I have to influence my world. Only my world. I don't have to influence the world, but only my world. And I only have to be concerned about my world. I have to be concerned about not spilling oil in my harbor, if you will. I don't have to worry about what they do in Alaska they got other people who are worrying about Alaska that's their problem i don't have to worry about that they will take good care of that and i really don't have to worry about it i uh i think it's nice to speak softly but be firm be kind and be firm be firm about about your own convictions and speak softly and kindly about those. I think it's necessary to do that. I think that uh most of all, just don't make a spectacle of myself. I don't need to do that. I don't need the need to make an ass of myself. Because I don't think it serves any purpose.
1: If relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. What this says to me in our relationship is, first of all, I need to be, have you ever wished when you got mad and said something that you had the words on a string and that you could pull them back so nobody ever heard them? But unfortunately, that's not the case. They hear them, don't they? And a lot of times I know exactly what to say to hurt somebody bad. And I mean, I can, I always, I know their Achilles heal. And I don't, I'm not proud of myself for that. So I have several signs, uh, that I try to pay attention to. One of them is, when in doubt, shut up. So when I have any doubt as to what I'm gonna say is whether it's right or wrong, sh- shut up. And that helps in sponsorship too. Uh huh. And the other one is, which appeals to the intellect in me, anger is the wind that blows out the light of the mind. And I like that because it makes me feel smart. And that if I get angry, I get stupid, which is true. I do, because when I'm angry, I'm not using my I, I'm using my E. I have placed the E, my emotions, over my intellect. And when that happens, it's usually a mess. You know, and I can lash out and I don't, and, and lots of times you know there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do that you can't make up for some of that stuff. You can make amends and you can try, but lots they don't forget. You know, they don't forget. They may forgive, but they don't forget. And I don't want, I've had too much of that in my life and I don't need to do that anymore. I do it sometimes, but I don't, I try not to. The other thing is that I try to be attractive, and the older I get, the harder it is, Mm -hmm. because like Mary said last night, everything falls, you know, I mean, it's just like gravity, I mean, everything is pulling down on me, and I'm 52 and a half, 52 and some months old, and I feel it, and I need, it, it. It take it's longer for damage control anymore, you know, because I yeah you know, Sharon and I are talking about skin creams and stuff, you know. I found the answer now. I have a new thing. I'm gonna erase all my wrinkles, right? And uh but I have to be attractive. I have to be neat, clean, do my hair, take a bath. You'd be surprised how many people don't take baths, and and they wonder why they're sex life is not what it should be. They haven't taken a bath. That's a terrible thing to talk about, but it's true. Or brush your teeth, or whatever. Be attractive. You know, be neat, clean, and attractive. As attractive as I can be. I mean, God never blessed me with... with, I'm not blessed by the chest fairy. You know, I mean, I... And I can't do anything about that. And I don't want to spend $10,000 to get new boobs or anything. So I'm stuck with this. But by God, I can... Make it interesting. (laughs) You know, and I try not to swear, because I don't like, I see some of these prettiest little girls, and they say some of the foulest things. And it's not attractive. It's not pretty to have that come out. Now, sometimes I say them for effect, and it's true, I do. But I don't, that's not attractive. So I try not to swear. And I try not to brag about myself, because I don't think bragging is very pretty. I don't like to hear people brag, and I'm sure they don't like to hear me brag about myself. I can brag about Dick, and I can brag about the kids, and I, you know, it's like remember the old Aunt Minnie who used to talk about her operations all the time. It's really boring, unless it's your operation, you know. I mean, and then it's interesting. But I, don't I don't brag. About, I try not to brag about myself because it's boring to other people. They want to brag about themselves. You know, so I encourage them to do that rather than listen to me brag about myself. And I think that's attraction rather than promotion. I don't go out and put, put on a red mini because I would look ridiculous in a red mini or anything like it. I think he prefers me just plain naked anyway. I mean, you know, I don't think it matters. So, you know, but I try to be attractive rather than really, you know, promote or anything. But I can make it interesting and that's attractive. Thank you.
0: Number twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I like to think of Peggy as my wife. I don't like to think of her sometimes as Peggy. I like to think of of her as my wife. How should my wife be treated? How should my wife be treated? How would I like the newspaper to report how I treat my wife? How would I like someone to look at the way I treat my wife? How would I like that to be? How? What sort of reflection would I like that to be? Not how would I like them to look at the way I treat Peggy, which is the personality, but my wife. How does a good husband act? Not how does Dick act. What should Dick do? But how should a husband act? What should this man as a husband do? How can I best be a husband? Not Dick, but this man. This individual, this personality-less individual that I can put in my own mind. How should I do that? How can I best be that? How can I best be a husband? How can I best be a friend? I, um... Uh, in August of, uh, 1966, I was over at Peggy's apartment before we were married. One evening, we had come back from the day meeting, I believe. I don't remember what the circumstances were, but... Uh, this was on the uh, 5th of August, and I remember that because we got married seven days later on the 12th of August. And uh, it was on the 5th of August, and uh, she asked me to marry her, and uh, I played all kinds of games with that. Well, how about December, and, you know, and just all these sorts of things. But it ended up that we decided that we were going to get married the next week. Because she says, well, what are you doing next Friday? And I couldn't say, well, well, shit, I'm busy that day. <laughs> so I, so I guess I'm getting married. So, uh, we do it. And, uh, I left the apartment that evening at a decent hour after not having gone to bed with her because we didn't go to bed before we got married. We only dated for two months. It really wasn't, you know. (laughs) We both wanted to, but we were busy. (laughs) Trying to impress the other guy. But I was on the way home. And I was thinking to myself, here you are getting married again. And I thought, you can't be a husband. There's no way that you can be a husband. You weren't a husband to your wife. How can you be a husband? How can you possibly do that? You ran around on her at every given opportunity that that was there, and if there wasn't a given opportunity, you created how can how can you How can you think to do that? How can you visit that upon Peggy, whom you love? And I was thinking about this, and I said, probably one of the most sincere prayers that I've ever said in my life. And the prayer was, God, please help me to be the man that Peggy deserves as a husband. And when I said that, tears really came down my face, and I started crying, I started sobbing, and I really literally had to pull over to the side of the road. And I had a, I had an emotional experience, spiritual if you wish, but I had a great experience, and it changed my life. That experience changed my life. And uh, as a consequence of that, uh, somehow or another, some power was given to me so that I didn't have to be the sort of husband to Peggy that I had been to my previous wife, and I could be a good husband, and I wanted to be that. That comes from minding my own business, taking care of me, doing the best I can for me, calling upon all the power that I can call upon. That comes upon not bragging on how great I am, what my marriage is, but what our marriage is. And we have a good marriage, and we have a great friendship, and we have a good companionship but it's something that we have because she has worked at it and because I have worked at it because she has prayed for it and gotten the strength and I have prayed for it and gotten the strength. It's because we have done this together. It isn't something that I did of and by myself because of and by myself I could screw up any relationship that there is a power greater than me that's made me able, given me the power to be the person that I am today. That is what has happened. That's what has happened as a result of alcoholic analysis. Doing what I'm supposed to do when I'm supposed to do it. Being where I say I'm going to be when I say I'm going to be there. Communicating with Peggy about what's going on in my life so that she communicates with me too. The same thing. Not trying to be different or difficult but trying to be a companion to mesh with to get along with not to fight with and trying to do for her to the best of my ability and not asking that she give me one of these deals where it's tit for tat whatever I do she does back for me she doesn't owe me whatever I do I do because I love her because I want to because I want to do this, because it makes me feel good, not because of her response to it one way or another, but because it makes me feel good to do what I do. Not asking or expecting anything necessarily in return. Doing this in the hope that our great blessings may never spoil us, And we shall forever live in thankful contemplation of him who presides over us all. That we can think above the level of our own egos. That we can live above the level of our own egos individually. And that we can live in harmony and in peace and kindness and love with with each other. That's what relationships are supposed to be. I like and respect